This week on the Truce Podcast, I talk with Caitlin Schess, author of The Liturgy of Politics. We discuss Christian political involvement and some of the false gospels incorporated in evangelicalism. Listen to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or at trucepodcast.com. This is Troy and Joel, and you're listening to Revive Thoughts. Today, even among Christians, there can be found much of that spirit that wants to give as little as possible to the Lord, and yet to get as much as possible from Him. Every episode, we bring you a different voice from history and a sermon that they delivered today. We are listening to a sermon by Watchman Nee. It was likely preached in the 1940s or 50s in China, which I believe makes it the most recent sermon we've ever done on Revive Thoughts. Actually, yes, I think you're right. And this yeah. actually is, uh, this would be the most recent sermon. Uh, it may be one of the most recent sermons we ever do. This might be the closest we ever get right. 80 years to one of these guys. Yeah, and while there were like radio recordings during this era, not in communist ruled china exactly preaching the gospel and even if we had them they would be in chinese so that would not appeal to at least a good portion of that's our true. listeners that's true uh, Joy, what do we got going on this week at revive thoughts so here at revive studios we have something exciting that we're doing uh We've been working this out for a little while, trying to kind of put this partnership together. We've been receiving not a lot of money, but you know, little bits from the donations sure. on the on the pre, on the Patreon page, and a little bit from the advertisements that you hear. And for Joel and I, it felt like uh, amazing. We feel extremely blessed that we get these, but we didn't want to be bad stewards of it. We wanted mm. to also be able to pass it on and help others with the the little bit of money we received. It's not a lot, but we wanted to be able to give back and do our part too. So every dollar that comes in, a portion of that money is now going to go to a group at Serve Now, and this group gives bikes to pastors in other countries. This is a huge help to them because these pastors are right now walking four or five, five, maybe 10 miles to get to their church. And you maybe even heard on some of the Rive Thoughts episodes where we talk about these guys who have to do these huge long circuits to get to their churches and how that can be very inconvenient. This group gives them a bike. So now that 45 minute, two hour trip is 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's huge for, again, pastors, especially, you know, native pastors, local nationalists that are in Africa or whatever, trying to get to their church to minister, uh, instead of walking for two hours, they're given a bike and they can bike that same distance in like 30 minutes. So it's uh, a huge blessing for people that uh, have a long trek above them. So uh, again, the, a portion of the money that comes into Revive Thoughts, whether that's through ad revenue, whether that's through our, uh, our Patreons, um, we are we are sending towards them, but we also want to make you aware of it as well. And we're going to link uh, to a place where you can donate to that ministry as well in our show notes. If you think, hey, that's a, a neat ministry and, and you want to donate yourself directly, you can do that as well following the link below. Yeah, and we're announcing this right here and right now, but there will be more information to come on this as we kind of flesh out uh, just working with them. But for us, it just didn't feel right to just have all of it. We really wanted to bless others with it. And considering these are pastors preaching the word right here and now, it just felt like something that Revised Studios could be excited to be a part of. Now on to Watchman Nee. Joel, Watchman Nee is someone that actually a lot of people have really heard a lot about. He's maybe the most famous Chinese pastor that most people know a little something about. He is also one of our most recent speakers. Like you said, he only died actually 48 years ago. So there are definitely listeners 
who maybe were old enough to remember that, I think. Um, yet, because he preached at a time when technology was not as good and he wasn't preaching in English, we are not able to give this to you in a revived radio format. We're going to, have to do it here on the show, Revive Thoughts. His mother, who was not a believer at the time, prayed to God asking for a son. Her sister had six girls, and she already had two girls of her own, and she and she was worried that she would only have girls like her sister did, so she asked for uh, a boy. She wanted a boy. Kind of in an Old Testament sense, she, she, she promised God that she would pledge uh, her son to God's service if he gave her a boy. Watchman's father was active in the Methodist church and encouraged Watchman need to go to Christian schools. However, it wasn't until 1920 that his mother and him uh, became believers, were converted to Christianity. He began writing and publishing books and journals and magazines and devotionals, and it became pretty apparent as as he grew as a young believer that he had an influence on the people around him. Now, he took a different strategy to evangelizing China. Uh, if you remember, you know, the last time John Sung, if you haven't listened to that episode, maybe go check it out. He was going around as an evangelist preaching to these huge crowds, uh, whereas a lot of people were doing that. Ni really decided that he wanted to build a strong church movement in just Shanghai and then replicate it out as it went. He had a team of people to help him and and he, this became his focus, was making like this one central area have very strong churches. His theology was kind of all over the place. He was not against Western missionaries, but wanted local churches to be run by locals. He was with the Plymouth Brethren for a while, but then he left them. He was, for a time, exposed to the Pentecostal movements, but then he also thought they were prone to excess, so he kind of left them as well. The group eventually... Uh, that he kind of founded and got going would have over 700 churches planted with 1,700 meeting in Shanghai in one church. And maybe those numbers don't sound impressive to you. Yeah, well, Spurgeon had 5,000. Yeah, Spurgeon had 5,000 in a Christian country. This is a place where it's a very hard mission field to bring believers in, yet he had 1,700. So got to put those numbers in context. This is really impressive for where he was at. At around the same time, 1948 and 49, uh, the communists officially finished taking over China. And in 1950, Ni got the chance to leave and go preach in Hong Kong for a little bit. And as he was getting ready to come back, letters and people told him, don't go back to China. It won't go well for you if you come back. You kind of got out. Maybe just stay out, Watchmen, and just kind of, we'll take care of things from here. And a little bit reminded me of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He had this famous quote where he said, well, if your mother sees the house on fire and she was outside folding the laundry, does she go, whew, I got out? Or does she run back in and save the kids? And so he goes back into China knowing that he's going into the lion's den and it very quickly becomes trouble for him. Yeah, very quickly becomes trouble with him. In the next years, 1951 and 1952, there's a lot of controversy around him, and it's hard to distinguish what is factual and what is allegations. He was arrested due to tax evasions and corrupt business practices, but we see that he, in his churches, were preaching you know, submission to the new government and to the new church regulations. But the government decided that they were not submitting to the practices that they put out before them, which sounds to me kind of like a, a corrupt government yeah. trying to kick a, a, a pastor out. The fact that they got him for tax evasion, it right. seems to me like the kind of thing that if I'm purely speculating, a communist government would go after church ministers for. Sure. So, and then another aspect of it was a lot of scandals that 
were mounted against him. News circulated about him cheating on his wife with more than one woman, and there were supposedly photos and news reports and confessions. And we don't know if if this is true or not. We don't know if he was faithful to his wife. Maybe he had moments of weakness where he wasn't faithful to his wife. Um, we're not entirely sure, but we know that there were definitely accusations. Um, but again, this is another situation where the people, the research that we found that corroborated that side of the story kind of all came from the same Chinese government. I'm not going to say that everything the Chinese government sure. says is untrue, but certainly there's a lot of discrediting sure. that goes on. So it made this a very tough episode to do research on just because we had no idea if what we were like we reading. We like to have more than one source if we can. Yeah. yeah. It, there were all the, it was very difficult. So we don't want to say there was no scandal. He was a perfect guy. Maybe he was and maybe he wasn't. We're just saying that the sources that alleged that something nefarious happened were uh, not the most credible people you'd want to hear from. Sure. Yeah. Especially in relation to someone preaching the gospel in China during this time. Yeah, exactly. His wife, Charity, was also arrested during this time. A charity and him stayed together through all of this, and she was let out of jail just due to her health completely failing. Watchman Nee was sentenced to 15 years. He decided, I'm going to you know, not fight it, go for the 15 years, hopefully everything works out. But at the end of 15 years, he was told, you have to give up your faith, and then you can be free. He didn't give up his faith. He did, had no interest in doing that. Uh, so his health began to deteriorate as they didn't let him out of the cell. And in fact, they put two more people in the cell with him, two thugs, tough guys that were that were real criminals, and they tortured him on a regular basis, treating him terribly. They said people that knew him at the time said he weighed about 100 pounds. So he was doing very poorly. His wife, Charity, was paraded through the streets with other Christian women on a regular basis, and uh, she herself also probably only weighed about 100 pounds, and they would have boards around their necks that would say things like, dunce, fool, idiot, uh, and despite that and other endless cruelties, neither her nor Watchmen ever denied the faith not once. His wife uh, did eventually die, and people were so scared to tell Watchmen because they knew his health was so on the fritz anyway, um, and they were worried this might kill him. It didn't help either that he kept writing and saying, my one joy, my one goal in life, the only thing I have that's getting me through this is that I want to serve my wife and make her happy and love on her and, and be there for her in ways that when I was moving and about the country and preaching and teaching as much, I wasn't able to be there for her. Yeah, his own health and sickness was such one day that they tried to transport him to a hospital. They put him in the back of a tractor and sent it that way. And this is in 1972. On the trip to the hospital, he passed away in the back of this tractor. In his jail cell, under his pillow, there was a letter that they found that he'd wrote that claimed that Christ was all that was worth living for. This week on the Truce Podcast, I talk with Caitlin Shass, author of The Liturgy of Politics. We discuss how evangelicalism has gotten tangled up in nationalism. We end up in positions where we take passages intended for Israel and apply them to America in ways that are not not good uh, exegesis. But also, I think then we end up in a position where we have to defend, we have to baptize the whole, especially early history of our country, because if it was founded on Christian values and God has to be defended and Christian values have to be defended, then we end up in a position where we either have to deny some of the atrocities very early in our country's history, or we have to say that those are Christian values. We have an ability in a unique system in which we have some democratic involvement in the, in the running of our country to hold it to account to what God says countries should be. Listen to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or at trucepodcast.com.
Now, there's one important note about the story you just heard. Yeah, we tell you this story because this is kind of how we do the stories we research and we kind of put all the sources together. But we said it earlier and we want to say it again. This idea that Watchmen need cheated, uh, it came mostly from a couple different sources of some speculative nature. Uh, there were a few articles that said the same thing, but they all seem to kind of come from the same spot. However, we don't know if this is true or not. It does not mean that they're invalid. It could just be that Chinese government's going to talk more about Chinese leaders and people in China than the United States governments are going to. And they would know some of this stuff. After all, they were a part of the arrest. But I just think that I would take a lot of the story that you heard with a grain of salt. You, we may never know until heaven for sure everything that went down with Watchman Nee. We, we at Revive Thoughts certainly don't want to accuse him of doing stuff that he didn't do. But if he did do some of those things, we also want to encourage you that some of the people on our show are not perfect, and some of them do even pretty heinous actions. It is possible that Watchman Nee did those things, and I don't think that that discredits the ministry or the work that God used him in. His own uh, nephew was asked a little bit about this, and he said, he not specifically this allegation, but he said, look, yeah, my uncle was not perfect. Uh, on the other hand, despite being pretty imperfect and despite having a lot of things he was working through, he was very serious about God and God definitely used my uncle to help preserve the church during a very hard time. And kind of similar to John Sung, neither of these guys are perfect. They're definitely interesting, but you got to remember what these people were going through um, these leaders helped found a church that survived a horrible oppressive movement. So let's be grateful for the work that they did and maybe get less uh, not too hung up on whether or not some of these allegations are true. Even if they were, I think God still used them in a pretty mighty and profound way. As we listen to this sermon, um, why this waste? There, just be listening to it with an open ear to kind of, he's pointing to something I think that's very important and in some ways actually talks about what we just talked about. In Mark 14, 13-9, we read this. And while he was in Bethany, at the home of Simon the leper, and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard. And she broke the vial and poured it over his head. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over three hundred denarii, and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me. For the poor you always have with you, and whenever you wish, you can do them good, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, that also which this woman has done shall be spoken in memory of her. The Lord has ordained that the story of Mary anointing him with the costly ointment should always accompany the preaching of the gospel. We know the story well. Judging by the story in connection with her brother's resurrection, we know that the family was not an especially wealthy one. The sisters had to work in the house themselves, and one of them, Mary, had an alabaster box with 300 denarii worth of ointment in it. And with a stroke, 
she broke it and poured the whole of that costly nard upon the head of the Lord. According to human reasoning, it was far too much, even for the Lord. That is why Judas took the lead with the other disciples in thinking that Mary was wasting something. Now we come to the word which the Lord wants to emphasize at this time, the word waste. What is waste? Waste simply means giving too much. If a shilling will do, but you give a pound, it is a waste. If two ounces will do, and you give a kilogram, it is a waste. A waste means that you give too much of something for too little of something else. A waste means that the one who is receiving the something is not worth so much. Yet, we are dealing here with something the Lord said was to go out with the gospel, wherever the gospel should be preached. With the preaching of the gospel, the Lord is out to have a result that corresponds with Mary's action here, that is, for people to come out and waste themselves on him. That is what he is after. Now we must look at the question from two angles, that of Judas and that of the other disciples. They all thought it to be a waste. To Judas, who had never called our Lord the Lord, everything that was poured upon Jesus was waste. Even water would have been a waste. To the world, our giving of ourselves to him in the service of the Lord is pure waste. Such and such a man would have been successful in the world if he were not a Christian, is a sentiment that is frequently expressed. Whenever anyone with natural talents is a Christian and chooses to serve the Lord is deemed to be pure waste. So Judas thought, we could manage better with the money. We could give it to charity. We could do some social service. We could help people in a more practical way. Why pour it down at the feet of Jesus? As to you, Mary, can you not find a better use of your life? That is what Judas was thinking. And that is what the world is thinking. It is too much to give yourself to the Lord. But no, when once our eyes have been opened to the worth of the Lord, nothing is too good for him. But now I want us to dwell upon the reaction of the other disciples, because they affect us more than Judas does. We do not mind very much what the world is saying, but we do mind what those other disciples are saying who ought to have understood, and yet did not. We see that they said the same thing as Judas, and not only say it, but they were moved to indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? Now here is the whole question of waste and of what the Lord wants. Today, even among Christians, there can be found much of that spirit that wants to give as little as possible to the Lord, and yet to get as much as possible from Him. The prevailing thought today is that stretching the use of our things to the maximum, like we would a rubber band, is the one thing that matters. That my little rubber band is stretched to the very limit seems all-important. But this is not the Lord's mind. The Lord wants us to be used, yes, but what he is after is that we pour out all we have, even ourselves, to him. And if that is all we have, that is enough. It is not a question of whether the poor have been helped or not, but of whether the Lord has been satisfied. The question is not one of working for him, my friends, but of service to him of ministering to the Lord. That is what he is after. I should give him my all, even though people might say, you are doing nothing. My service to the Lord 
is to please him. That my usefulness be brought to the full is not what the Lord is after, but his concern is rather with my position at his feet and my anointing of his head. What I have as an alabaster box, the most precious thing, my whole life, I give it all up to the Lord. It seems as if it is a waste, but that is what he is after. May I tell you something? One thing some of us have come to learn is that in the divine service, the principle of waste is the principle of power. And the principle of usefulness is the very principle of losing. The real useful method in the hand of the Lord is waste. The more you think you can do, the more you employ your gifts to the very limit, and perhaps beyond the limit, the more you will find it to be from the principles of the world and not the principle of the Lord. I knew a sister in the Lord, now in his presence, who was very greatly used by him. But my first concern about her was that she did not seem to be being used. Every time I said to myself, why doesn't she get out and go to meetings, uh, get somewhere, or go do something? It was a waste for her to live in a small village without anything happening. Sometimes when I went to see her, I almost shouted at her, no one knows the Lord as you do. You know the Bible in a lively way. Do you not see the need all around you? Why don't you do something? It is a waste of time, a waste of energy, a waste of money, a waste of everything, just sitting here and doing nothing. But she was the one who helped me most of all. The highest thing is not just to be moving about and staying busy. I do not mean to say that we are going to do nothing. But the first thing is the Lord himself, not the work. That is what he is after. So the Lord said, Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me. For the poor you will always have with you, and whenever you wish, you can do them good. But you do not always have me. The whole point is, what am I going to do for the Lord today? Did those other women who came with their spices to the tomb succeed in anointing the Lord's body? No. He was risen. Only one succeeded. Mary, the one who anointed him beforehand. It seems as if man will say, I am wasting my time, but Lord, nothing is too good for you. He is worthy to be served. He is worthy for me just to be his prisoner. He is worthy for me just to live for him. Let others say what they will. Have our eyes been opened to see that working for the poor, working for the benefit of the world, working for the eternal welfare of the sinner as things in themselves are nothing compared with the work we do for the Lord by living and being his? How much do you value the Lord? Then the Lord said, She has done what she could. It means Mary had given her all. That was all she could do and no more. And she did it. The Lord will not be satisfied with anything less. The whole point is a life really laid down at the feet of the Lord. A life lived in view of his death his burial, and in view of a future day. Then it was 
his burial. Now it is his crowning day that is in view. He will be acclaimed by all on that day. But how much more precious it is to him that we should anoint him now, not with any material oil, but with that which is deepest and maybe hard for us to break. May the Lord get an anointing from us today. Further, the Lord said, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, that also which this woman has done shall be spoken of in memory of her. Why? Because the gospel is meant to produce this. The gospel is not primarily for the satisfaction of sinners. The gospel is preached that everything may be to the satisfaction of the Son of God. Not to sinners, first of all. Though, praise God, sinners will be satisfied, but supremely, it is Christ who must find satisfaction through its preaching. Once more, let me repeat. The whole question for us is simply this. It seems that I am giving too much for too little. That is waste. Others appear better off than I, though they have given up none of the things that I have. As for me, I seem to meet with all the difficulties. Continual trial and suffering is what comes my way. Now am I not wasting my time? Are we not found thinking like this sometimes? But the principle of waste is that which satisfies the heart of the Lord Jesus. Often real satisfaction can only come to the heart of your Lord when you seem to be wasting yourself on the Lord, giving too much and getting nothing back for yourself. Friends, what are we after? Are we after mere usefulness, as those disciples were? They wanted to make every penny of that 300 denarii go to its full length. They wanted to be used themselves. If only we can please him, surely that should be enough. The breaking of the alabaster box and the anointing of the Lord filled the house with the sweetest odor. Everyone could smell it. Whenever you met someone who has really suffered, been limited, gone through things for the Lord, was willing to be imprisoned by the Lord, and was just satisfied with him and nothing else, you can immediately smell the fragrance. There is a, a savor of the Lord. Something has been crushed. Something has been broken, and there is a resulting odor of sweetness. The odor which filled the house that day still fills the church. Mary's fragrance never passes away. Friends, we cannot show God to others, nor impart the sense of the presence of God without the breaking of everything. Even the most precious things at the feet of the Lord Jesus, the Lord would have us here not first of all to preach or to do work for him, but to create hunger in others. No true work will begin in any life apart from a sense of need. We cannot inject that into others. We cannot drive people to be hungry for God. Such hunger can only be created by those whose lives convey vital impressions of him. <laughs> to be emptied. It is a blessed thing to waste it all for the Lord. So many of us who have been prominent in the Christian world know nothing of this. Many of us have been used to the full. We do not know what it means to waste it all on God. We like to always be on the go. The Lord would sometimes prefer to have us in prison. 
Remember the apostolic journeys in Scripture? When God dared to put his greatest ambassadors in chains? But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. 2 Corinthians 2.14 There's a part in the middle of the sermon where he kind of says, you know, sometimes the people who have the most negative things to say, uh, there are certain Christians, at least, who they don't really have a lot to say about anybody but other Christians. So, oh, you know, I'm not going to say much about the world. I, the world's sinning. I don't expect them to do any better. You know, it's just how it is. But let me tell you how bad the other Christians are. And they only get excited to tell you how bad other Christians are doing. And Watchman Nee says, you know, this group can be very difficult to work with. And this group can actually be quite a uh, thorny group to work with because they save all their passion and zeal for attacking the church. I think that is a very important message to hear from Watchmen. In some ways, it goes back to this question, did he cheat, did he not cheat, uh, that we talked about earlier? Well, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. It sure seems to me like he died for his faith. He could have been let out of jail, and he chose not to. He definitely was a martyr in that sense. And in the same way, sometimes maybe Christians, we need to not be quite looking at each other so much with microscopes and magnifying glasses and remember that our job is to also preach the gospel, tell the lost, and bring in people to be saved. And sometimes I think our greatest zeal is just to call out those around us when maybe some of that zeal should also be spent telling people about Christ. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Revived Thoughts. Today's sermon was narrated by Jonathan Clausen. Jonathan Colossen started with Clear Channel Radio in the 90s, and he's worked with audio and marketing for 20-plus years. His credits include working with EA Tiburon, Christianity Today, Christ and Pop Culture, and lots of freelance work as voice talent, audiobook narrations, and podcast production services. Yeah, Jonathan Colossen has done a few for us at this point, so we're very grateful every time he can work with us. As we said at the top of the show, there's a portion of every dollar now given to Revive Studios will go to help um, bring bikes to pastors around the world. And if you would like to look into that some more, we're going to have more details and more things to announce as that kind of partnership gets fleshed out a little bit more. But in the meantime, check out the links that we will have in the episode descriptions, and we hope you will tell other people about that exciting ministry. I think what they're doing is awesome, and we feel quite blessed that in just a little bit way, we get to bring this information to you and give a little bit of what's coming in to help them out as well. This is Troy and Joel, and this is Revive Thoughts. This week on the Truce Podcast, I talk with Caitlin Schess, author of The Liturgy of Politics. We discuss Christian political involvement and some of the false gospels incorporated in evangelicalism. Listen to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or at trucepodcast.com.